What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. What is up, divers? Welcome into Deep Dive Fantasy Football. I'm your host, Brandon, and I just want to start off by saying it is a good day, baby. So good. I mean, I got so much stuff just motivating me right now. I, I just got my wrap-up on the podcast for the year. I got to see how much the podcast has grown, how much you guys have continued to reach out to friends, and just help the podcast grow and support me, and not only that, but you guys are starting to get some merch too. I've had a very nice amount so far of orders already. And um, I really appreciate it. You guys are motivating me. And I'm going to get better and better and help all of us win some more championships. So I just wanted to say, man, thank you guys again. And uh, let's let's get ready for a good episode. I'm, I'm ready to give you guys another good pod. So with that said, you know what we got to start off with. And that is the Wednesday the Wednesday, weird to say that, right? Wednesday game recap, Ravens-Steelers. First off, the Ravens, they win this game with Lamar Jackson. They do. And I know you guys heard me say, I don't think that the Steelers get to 11-0. And um, it happened. But why did it happen? Because Lamar Jackson wasn't playing. I'm fully convinced if Lamar Jackson is in this game. One, based off how the wide receivers were playing for... Pittsburgh and tight ends just everyone dropping balls and how good the defense was playing for Baltimore that if they had Lamar Jackson they would have won this game but aside from that I mean the Steelers couldn't catch anything except the W apparently six dropped passes in this game they also dropped an interception Minka Fitzpatrick did it was just really wacky games there was some super questionable calls some super screwy work by the refs actually at the right at the end of the half the series that Baltimore drove down the field they got like 35 seconds if you guys didn't see this is basically what happened got 35 seconds on the clock they don't have any timeouts they run the ball at the goal line at the one yard line they run the ball they don't get it the Steelers take 20 seconds to get up out of the pile and no delay of game is called now Baltimore is looking at like four seconds on the clock and instead of spiking it kicking a field goal they decide to take the risk, go for the touchdown, they throw the ball into the end zone, and it looks like it's caught, and it gets dropped, but it was just ridiculous that there was no delay of game called, Baltimore should have had two, three more shots at the end zone if they wanted to go on fourth, if they, you know, miss the next opportunities, but that was super crazy, but let's talk about some fantasy takeaways, right, that's what you guys are here for, Justice Hill, he looked pretty decent, if you guys have been holding him in deep dynasties, just keep holding him, that room is so crowded, there, I don't think Justice Hill is going to have any relevance in fantasy in Baltimore maybe he'll get traded or there is one route and that is the route that Mark Ingram gets cut because he's not a big cap casualty this offseason that he gets cut because he does have one more year and that Gus Edwards does not get re-signed because he is a free agent if it's just J.K. Dobbins Justice Hill all right in deep leagues Justice Hill can be started every once in a while but you guys already know how I feel about the Ravens running backs in that situation so I mean, unless he goes somewhere else, it's going to be hard for him to have a real role, but 
Sometimes you just got to hold on to players that are good. You got to hold on to the talented players in Dynasty and hope for the best. So if you have Justice Hill, just keep holding him. And talking about Pittsburgh, all the wide receivers once again in a similar fantasy point range from 11 points to 17 points. It just seems like you can't go wrong starting these Pittsburgh receivers when you're having to choose between them. And it's great for people, very comforting for people that have more than one of them on the same fantasy team. I know in one league I have Claypool and Deontay Johnson. And every week, because I'm not starting both, every week I'm like, man, which one do I start? Which one do I start? It really never matters because they're always within like five fantasy points of each other. So, I mean, that's cool. But there is somebody I think that will shine next week compared to the others and maybe they'll all do good you know like they have continued to do so far but it's just something interesting that I found uh just looking at all the game logs of both of or all three of the wide receivers in Pittsburgh and outside of that I mean honestly there's not many fantasy takeaways it was an ugly defensive fought division game and I cannot believe at the end of the game I cannot believe that Big Ben's garbage lollipop was not intercepted he just throws the ball up like I was laughing when he was throwing the ball like, dude, what are you doing? Like, he literally threw it up like as if he has somebody who's eight feet tall and everyone else is four feet tall. And who was the ball thrown up to? James Washington, which considering how many dropped passes Ebron and Deontay Johnson had in that game, and I'm pretty sure Claypool had one, I'm not surprised that, that James Washington is the target. And Big Ben had previously apparently said that. He loves James Washington, and he's the guy he would go to on one pass if he had to throw up a contested ball, and that's what happened, but it was just, it was in the air, it seemed like, for 10 seconds, and I don't know how the Ravens didn't get that ball. It, it's crazy, but, you know, that they messed up there. That was that was the game-changing play, and um, the Steelers continue to be undefeated because of it, but that's what I got on the Wednesday game. I mean, like I said, there wasn't much, especially with Lamar Jackson out. And we didn't even get to see RG3 like a full game. I mean, he had a really nice like 40-something yard run. We didn't even get to see him the full game, which is disappointing. He got hurt. I love the guy. He's a great guy. And I wish he had the opportunity to finish that game out. But with that said, you know what that means. We're done with three caps. We're getting into the starts, the FS plays, sits. And obviously, we're starting with the starts. And I'm going to start at the top. In the Miami-Cincinnati game with Miles Gaskin. Miles Gaskin, I think, is going to be a great play this week. Looks like Ahmed is still out, and Gaskin should be back. He was viewed last week as possible to play, and I'm assuming that since he was a game-time decision last week, that means he's good to go this week. So Gaskin looks like he's in. I would definitely start him versus the Bengals. This is a game that Miami should just control because there is no Joe Burrow. If Joe Burrow was here, it'd be a different story. I would still be saying start Gaskin, but just in terms of the game outlook, it would be a close game, and the Bengals would have a shot to win just because how of how good Joe Burrow has been, but he's out, obviously, and this is going to be probably a boring game to watch. It's probably going to be run, 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 and you know Miami's going to come out with a W at the end of it. Phillip Rivers versus the Texans. Ew. Ew, I cannot believe, I cannot believe I'm saying start Phillip Rivers. He's garbage. You guys know, you guys know how I feel about this man. But that should just give you more confidence in him this week if you need to start him. He has averaged 18 points over the last three games. This is an indoor game versus the Texans. So there's no climate conditions to worry about, which 
is definitely something we have to pay, be paying attention to nowadays because, you know, as we're getting closer and, well, close to the end of the year, deeper into December, it's going to be a lot more games that are heavy snow, heavy wind. And we're going to have to be paying attention. And trust me, I just actually added all of the cities that have outdoor stadiums or like open roofs. And I just added them all in my weather app. And I literally am looking at them before I project any games now. So I'm going to be fully up to date on weather at all times now. So you guys can count on that. And with that said, yeah, Phillip Rivers. Decent start versus the Texans. The Texans are horrible defense. They allow fantasy points to pretty much every single position and a lot of them. So Phillip Rivers, it's a pretty good start versus the Texans if you need a quarterback off the waivers or in a 2QB league or whatever the case. Jonathan Taylor as well versus the Texans. He was activated off the COVID list, so he is good to go. He is playing. And here are my thoughts. Last week, what happened? Indianapolis played Tennessee. Indianapolis got whooped by Tennessee. Maybe they wouldn't use that verbiage. I would use that verbiage. I think Derrick Henry would use that verbiage. They got whooped. And Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins didn't do anything to help them. They averaged 3.1 yards per carry versus Tennessee. And you guys know from me and past podcasts, Tennessee has been giving up a lot of yards per carry. It has gotten a little bit better over the past few weeks. But still, 3.1 yards per carry is not acceptable. And, you know, it's a division game. They're both teams that were running the ball a lot. So it's kind of what Tennessee expected, so it's easier to defend the run if they're expecting the run. But with all of that said, I mean, that's just not going to get it done. And Jonathan Taylor in his last game dominated touches. That was two weeks ago, and he looked good. It was his final, like, finally he broke out. It was his breakout game, and then boom, COVID list. Well, now he's coming off. I think the Indianapolis Colts are going to use him, going to lean on him to beat the Texans. This is also another divisional game. So I like Jonathan Taylor as well. Between Phillip Rivers and Jonathan Taylor, one of them might not be as good as I, I'm thinking if you know it ends up being super low scoring, but I don't think that's going to be the case. So I like Phillip Rivers and Jonathan Taylor both. Taylor's going to save them this week. Now let's talk some sleepers in the start category. And I say sleeper because I'm not telling you to start this person in a 10-team league or a 12-team league, all right? But if you're in a super deep league, or if you just find yourself in the situation, which I hope you don't find yourself in this situation, but if you do, Colin Johnson versus the Vikings. If Mike Glennon plays, if Mike Glennon plays, Colin Johnson versus the Vikings is going to be a good play. He had more than eight targets. I think it was nine targets last week, and he looked really good. He's a big guy, just like Mike Glennon. They're pretty much on the same eye level because Glennon is huge. He's actually taller than Colin Johnson. He's Glennon is 6'7", um, but... He seemed to like Colin Johnson a lot. The Vikings' secondary is horrible. They're also dealing with some injuries now on top of how bad and young they already are. Chark is out, DJ Chark. Chris Conley is also out. So it's going to be LaVisca Chenault, Colin Johnson, and a little bit of Keelan Cole in there as well. But Colin Johnson seems to be the guy Mike Glennon likes. And what if Minshew plays? If Minshew plays, well, you're pivoting to the other one, LaVisca Chenault, because Minshew, he never was involving Colin Johnson. Colin Johnson was never on the field. Maybe he will, I mean, he will be on the field with Chark and Conley out, but I'm sure LaVisca is Minshew's preferred target. He seemed to like him over the course of the season, and if he really liked Colin Johnson, I'm sure he would have saw the field. So, especially because he's a young guy, and the Jaguars are not in a situation where 
they're trying to just play the best players all the time. They want to see their youth, right? So if Colin Johnson was really somebody that Minshew liked, I'm sure he would have been on the field. So Minshew plays, LaVisca Chenault is a good sleeper. Mike Glennon plays, Colin Johnson is a good sleeper versus the Vikings. David Montgomery versus the Lions. He turned in a nice 25-point game last week, and now he's playing the Lions, who allowed the second most points to the running back position. And once again, we have a divisional game. And this is going to be an ugly one, especially with all the injuries on this, the offense for the Lions. I don't think they're going to just be dropping points on the Bears. The Bears are going to be in this game the entire time. They're going to have the ability to run the ball, and they are not going to get game scripted out. So I like David Montgomery a lot versus the Lions. Denzel Mims versus the Raiders. He, I mean, once again, just like the Colin Johnson, you shouldn't be in a situation uh, where you have to play Denzel Mims. Like I told you guys, you can just drop all of the Jets in redraft. But in your deep leagues or whatnot, or if you're just super struggling, maybe you have somebody, your wide receivers are on IR or on bye week, if you have like the Panthers or Bucks or whatever, Denzel Mims versus the Raiders. He has 23 targets in the last three games. Eight targets were with Sam Darnold last week. So not only has he been pulling in a lot of targets with Flacco, but he's been pulling in targets with Sam Darnold as well. He is very talented, and he is also averaging over two yards per route run, which is a very good statistic. That is uh, very predictive of fantasy points for receivers. So Denzel Mims, I think that's a pretty good start versus the Raiders. The Raiders don't have a very good secondary. Derek Carr versus the Jets. Should we risk it? Should we risk it? I don't know, man. This is a tough one for me. I mean, Derek Carr was supposed to light the world on fire versus Atlanta, and they allowed more points than the Jets do. The Jets have the fourth most points allowed to the quarterback position in fantasy. I think last week I don't know if they are now this week after Derek Carr did so bad but last week I'm pretty sure Atlanta was the most points allowed to the quarterback position but at least Atlanta has some dudes on defense the Jets don't have anybody I mean I loved Quinn and Williams he hasn't played to what I thought he would be and they don't really have anybody there I mean CJ Mosley opted out and obviously Jamal Adams is gone I mean they're just struggling all over the place so I don't think they have the type of studs that Atlanta does to be able to pull off a defensive game like that. So Derek Carr, it's it might be worth the risk. I'm not going to say it is. I'm not going to say it is because I'm not going to lie. It's scary to put Derek Carr out there after he dropped 1.6 points or something disgusting. But hey, if you're struggling, worth a shot. I would start him in a two-quarterback league. I definitely would start him in a two-quarterback league, but probably not in a single quarterback Then we got Chris Carson versus the Giants. I expect the run dominance to continue absolutely 100% in Seattle. They should control this game from start to finish. This should be a much bigger gap versus the Giants than they just played against the Eagles from the same division. And, I mean, how did the Seahawks win? How have they won over the past four or five years? Defense, run the ball, and let Russell Wilson be explosive, be efficient, and take the shots when the shots are there. Once they started letting Russ cook, look, it worked out in the beginning of the season. It did. But then suddenly, I mean, the the, the pressure of the world was on his shoulders, and he started turning the ball over. That's what's going to happen. It doesn't matter how good you are. I mean, if you're having to throw the ball, if you're forced to throw the ball, and this was also without Chris Carson as well, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough on you for sure, and you're going to make turnovers Seattle knows this, and that's why they started running the ball, especially with Carson back now. They're able to just keep that you know run percentage near 50-50. And so that's why I really like 
Uh, and when I say 50-50, I mean 50% pass, 50% run. That's why I really like Chris Carson versus the Giants. They're going to be winning this game. They're going to be pounding the rock. The Giants are just above average in terms of how many points they allow, so that's also good. And then we got Miles Sanders versus the Packers. The Packers allow the first most points. So the absolute most points possible to the fantasy running back is the Packers. Miles Sanders is going to be a good start for versus them, not just because of that. And I know he's disappointed, guys. I know. Trust me. I have him in a couple weeks. But here's the thing. Not only that, this should be a game where there is light snow in Green Bay. This is a sub-32 degree game. It's outdoors in Green Bay. So there could be light snow, or even if not, everyone's going to be freezing. Quarterbacks with freezing hands, wide receivers with freezing hands, not optimal. What are you usually doing in super cold games like that? You're running the ball. So Miles Sanders versus the Packers, I like him because it has run game written all over it, and the Packers are not good at stopping the run. Perfect combination. So obviously you're starting him, but in DFS, I think he'll be a nice pick this week. Juju Smith-Schuster versus Washington. This is the corner... This is the wide receiver, excuse me, that I think will be shining this week for Pittsburgh. Like I said, they're usually all in the same range. But if somebody does break off this week, I think it's going to be Juju Smith-Schuster. The weakest cornerback spot in coverage for the Washington football team per player profiler is the slot. That's why Tyler Boyd was somebody I was recommending versus Washington. And he did have a pretty decent day versus Washington because I remember looking at all those cornerback matchups and... Yeah, the slot corner for Washington is the weakest spot in coverage. So I like this as a juju game, baby. Then we got the last one, last start. Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert versus the Bills. He is back. That means he is a locked-in RB2. Especially with all the injuries, I think Mostert is going to be solid the rest of the way. He should pretty much always be in your starting lineup unless there's a really, really bad matchup. And he is the only running back in San Francisco that we can trust. He is the only one who gets the bulk of touches or anywhere near the bulk of touches when he's healthy. Everyone else is a complete guessing game. So I like Mostert versus the Bills. The Bills also have not been great versus the run. They haven't been great as a defense in general this year. Now let's move to some sits, all right? We have a double D Johnson. We got the Duke or David Johnson. If David Johnson is back this week, which he's questionable right now, so I'm not entirely sure. But if David Johnson is back, you're sitting him versus the Colts. Even if David Johnson is not back, well, then guess who you're sitting versus the Colts? Duke Johnson, the other D Johnson. Colts have allowed the third, the fourth, sorry. They're 29th against the run. So fourth fewest fantasy points to the running back position. And like I was just saying, I think the Colts are going to be able to run the ball with Jonathan Taylor. If they're able to control the clock, if they're able to be on the field, and Jonathan Taylor is going to be able to do good, and Philip Rivers is going to be able to do good, that means the Texans are going to be off the field. So I do expect the Texans to be trying to play some catch-up, and that does not favor the running backs, especially on a team that does not target the running back position. So no thank you on the D. Johnsons in Houston versus the Colts. Then we got Matt Stafford versus the Bears. He's missing Danny Amendola. He's missing Kenny Galladay, and the Bears are 29th as well versus the quarterback position. So they are the fourth worst team to play in fantasy for quarterbacks. I mean, that's pretty much self-explanatory. It's going to be a dirty, ugly division game. And Stafford doesn't have many weapons at his disposal. It's just going to be TJ Hawkinson, Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones is no longer the Marvin Jones of like two years ago. So it's basically TJ Hawkinson. He's not going to be able to do it on his own, especially when they don't have him running that many routes. Now, I will say, I will say that... Um, with Matt Patricia fired and gone, 
the interim interim head coach might choose to change up the offense a little bit. He might have TJ Hawkinson blocking less, running more routes, which, I mean, you guys drafted him eight overall. That's probably what you should have going on here. He's probably your best receiving threat right now, and he should be running routes. But we'll see what happens there. But yeah, either way, Stafford, no thank you versus the Bears. Then Wayne Gallman versus Seattle. I was just telling you guys how he's a locked-in RB2, how he's delivered consistently. But Seattle probably sells out to stop the run because Colt McCoy is the quarterback. Now, this is very contingent on that. If Daniel Jones does end up coming back, he's extremely doubtful this week with his hammy. He has not shown up to practice on Wednesday. So it doesn't look like he's going to be playing. And if not, Wayne Gallman is definitely a sit for me because Seattle's going to be daring Colt McCoy to beat them. And like I said, they're going to control the clock with Chris Carson, similar to what I think the Colts are going to do with Jonathan Taylor. And if they're able to just keep the Giants off the field, when the Giants do get on the field, they make sure they stop the run and dare Colt McCoy, who, I mean, he's not a great quarterback, and he also doesn't have the best situation. And also, by the way, geez, I didn't even think of this talking point until just now. Seattle, their defense has been insane. Some of you guys probably saw my tweet or post on Instagram, if you guys follow me on Instagram, about Seattle's defense. 23 sacks in the last, what was it, five games? That's over four per game. That's ridiculous. And... I mean, the Giants O-line is not amazing. So, yeah, Colt McCoy is going to have a rough time back there. And they know it. So they're going to play Wayne Gallman, I think. So Wayne Gallman is a sit for me. I don't think he's going to have any opportunities to get touchdowns. I don't think the Giants are going to be able to move down the field. Now, if you are rich at quarterback, all right, if you've got two really good quarterbacks, sometimes people draft two quarterbacks. Hopefully, if you guys are listening to this podcast and you guys listen to me in the offseason, you did not do that in a one-quarterback league. Um, it's fine if they were both like late guys, but if you drafted two quarterbacks high, I mean, you were definitely not listening (laughs) to what I was advising, but if you find yourself in a situation where you have Kyler and Russell or Josh Allen and Russell or, you know, Russell with anybody that's like a top eight quarterback, you might want to sit Russell because they might just run, run, run in this game. Also, another quarterback that we love, we love here at Deep Dive Fantasy Football. You guys know it, Justin Herbert. Temper expectations. I'm not saying to sit him. I would rather play Herbert than Russell Wilson, but temper, ooh, actually, I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah, if you have Russell Wilson and Justin Herbert, I don't know which way I would pivot. That's interesting. If you actually do reach out to me, I'll be able to uh, actually like put some more research into that one-on-one comparison, um, obviously live on the podcast. I'm not going to think that through for two, three minutes. So if you have that situation, let me know. But that's that's a tough one because Justin Herbert, you got you to gotta temper expectations versus Belichick. Belichick has been great, and we're going to talk about this in a little while. But Belichick has been great versus young quarterbacks. They're just not ready for a scheming. So if Justin Herbert goes off, if he goes off versus Bill Belichick, crown him. Crown him. It's over. It's over. Justin Herbert... If you're, if he goes off versus the Patriots in this game, I'm talking 300-ish yards and three, four touchdowns. If he's dropping 26 fantasy points or more, just crown him because one, rookie quarterbacks are never good versus Belichick. And I mean, honestly, at that point, if you're asking GMs, if you're pulling GMs, if he goes off versus the Patriots and you pull GMs after this week, hey, 
you're starting like the, the NFL sees a reset, right? We're doing a fantasy draft. Everyone puts their players into a pool and you're drafting. Where are you taking Justin Herbert? Guaranteed, guaranteed he's top 15 of every player, every position in the NFL. It's Mahomes 101, probably Russell 102, probably Kyler 103, and Herbert might be 104. So, hey, just watch out for this guy. But I would temper expectations and sit him if you can versus the Patriots. Then we got the Bills running backs versus who cares? Who cares who they're playing? Guys, always sit the Bills running backs. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Goodbye. No, I'm just kidding. But for real, always sit the Bills running backs. They are playing the 49ers, by the way, so also not a great matchup. Cowboys wide receivers versus the Ravens. Now, um, Marcus Peters did just suffer an injury in this Wednesday game versus the Steelers. So we'll see where his status is at. If he's out, that'll help a little bit. But he's never really been a sticky man coverage one-on-one corner that just shuts people down. He's more of a, like, I hurt the quarterback statistics because I bait bait them and get interceptions. But he's not like a shutdown corner like a Jalen Ramsey or any of those guys, Stephon Gilmore, Tredavious White. So he's not like a stay-away corner is what I would call it in fantasy. He's not one of them. So even if he's playing... Uh, or even if he's missing, I don't think it changes the outlook positively that much. But just the Ravens defense in general versus that Cowboys offense, especially one that's been struggling with injuries on the offensive line, it's going to be a rough game. And you also don't know which wide receiver to trust in Dallas because you got so many of them. So when you have too many options to look for and a tough defense against them, I'm just staying away if I can. So stay away from Amari Cooper. CD Lamb, Michael Gallup, if you can. And now we're going to talk about my five favorite betting lines. Remember, we are four and one. We are four and one. We started this segment last last podcast. Um, it was what was it Tuesday? Yeah, last Tuesday we started this segment. We're four and one. We're trying to get three right out of five every week. We're going to see if we can keep the streak going right after this. What's up, divers? Just taking a quick second to say check out Thrive Fantasy, where you can use my promo code DEEPDIVE, and they will match your deposit up to $50. You can bet on over-unders for players' stats, and it's a simple concept to win money. Just do better than half of the opponents, and you win. It's a really cool alternative to fantasy football. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, take a second to pause the podcast right here and drop me a rating or review. That's right, pause it right here. Lastly, if you're feeling super generous, you can choose to support the podcast monthly through the link on the episode page or found in the website podcast section. With that being said, as you know, let's get back to the content. All right, guys, welcome back in five favorite betting lines. Let's get right into it. So first, we have the Bengals versus the Dolphins. And I know usually, well, not usually, we've only done it one time so far, but on the last five favorite favorite betting lines segment we were just doing game lines and I do have some game lines in this five I got two of them being game lines but we're going to try something a little different we're going to go with over unders we're going to hit three over unders on this one and usually it seems like uh, games like to hit the over but I got some unders for us and I'm feeling pretty good about them we got 42 is the over under in the Bengals Dolphins game and I think we are hitting the under Cincinnati is rolling out Brandon Allen and Regardless of who the Dolphins are rolling out at quarterback, they're probably going to dominate this game via run, via defense. And even if they're just letting it rip, let's say the Dolphins put up 
four touchdowns, right? Let's say they put up four touchdowns, make the extra points, no field goals, 28 points on the board. The over-under is 42, so that means you'd need 14 points from the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals put up, what was it, 17 versus, yeah, it was 17, I believe, 17 versus the Giants, right? They had a touchdown to T. Higgins, they had a field goal, and they had a returned kick. So really, offensively, they had 10 offensive points versus the Giants defense. What defense is better, Miami or New York? I think that's a consensus 100%. That's what it sounds like on the other end. I'm hearing you say, Miami, bro, Miami. You're right, it is Miami. So do we think the Cincinnati Bengals are going to drop two touchdowns offensively on the Dolphins? Probably not. And do the Cincinnati Bengals have a defense that could get a bunch of turnovers? Probably not. Now, if it's plays, maybe he throws a couple of interceptions. Maybe if Tua plays, he throws a couple of interceptions. But unless they're like interceptions at the 20-yard line or something, you know, on the Dolphins' side of the field, I don't see how the Bengals can put up enough points to hit an over on 42 points. And that's with the Dolphins scoring a lot at 28. If you think the Dolphins are winning this game with 24 points, 21 points, that means you're definitely on the side of the under. Because I don't think any of us see the Bengals passing 20 points in this game. So I really like the under here. Bengals-Dolphins. And the next one, so that's betting line one. Betting line two is also an over-under. It's the Giants-Seahawks game. I'm going under. And it was at 48. The over-under was 48 when I first noted this down. I obviously checked right before starting the podcast. So at least when I'm recording, it's the most up-to-date. And it shifted to 47. So I was already on the under of 48. Then it made it a little bit harder to take the under because it went one point down, but I'm still taking it because the Giants are playing the Seahawks and I think the Seahawks are going to just dominate via the run. And the Giants are also going to be rolling out a backup quarterback just like the Bengals. And they're probably... And Seattle has looked good. I mean, their defense looked good versus Philly. And Colt McCoy did not look good in his limited, granted limited, amount of snaps in the last game so I don't think the Giants are going to be putting up just like the Bengals pretty much the same situation I don't think the Giants are going to be putting up many points at all and Seattle has no reason especially you know how they have been playing the past few games and protecting Russ not making him throw too much to minimize risk of turnover it doesn't seem like uh there's any chance Seattle's just going to be foot on the gas the whole time letting Russ let it rip to DK and Lockett. so I don't see that happening. I think it's going to be a run-heavy game. I'm taking the under here. Under 47, Giants-Seahawks. So that's our first two. That's two unders. Then we got a third one, and this might be cheating. Might be cheating because the line has not opened yet. I'm not sure why. Uh, maybe if you guys use something else uh, different than me, it's open for you guys. But I'm still going to talk about it because I don't think the line would open anywhere near uh, far from this. So... Let's talk about Patriots-Chargers. Patriots-Chargers game. I would take the Patriots. Like I said, I don't see the line opened yet. But if the line opens at minus 3 or worse, so minus 3 or minus 2, minus 1, or if the Chargers are favored, I'm taking the Patriots to cover. Because Belichick, and this is what I was talking about earlier, now I'll hit you with the stat, has been really good versus young quarterbacks. It's staggering. His record versus rookie quarterbacks is 19-5. and Now, let's remember... The Patriots have been a really good team. They have had a good record overall. But 19-5 and five is significantly better than, you know, their average win-loss ratio. 
since Belichick took over. And he's actually 12-0 and at home. He's never lost at home. Now, this is an away game, but I just thought I'd throw that nugget in there too. Maybe you'll find it useful in the future sometime. But 19-5 and versus rookies, plus Justin Herbert and his Chargers, and it's in no way Justin Herbert's fault. But his Charger team does not know how to finish, does not know how to win close games at all. So even it will... Even if it was close, I'm still taking Belichick. I mean, the young quarterbacks, they just, they're just they not ready for the scheme that Belichick runs on defense. He He's too smart. He's too good. And clearly, they're not trying to lose games. They just beat Kyler, which, by the way, Kyler is a sophomore quarterback. And I'm pretty sure the stat, and this I could not find um, very quickly, but I'm pretty sure the stat, I heard them talking about it during the game, of Belichick's record versus first and second year quarterbacks is even better than the 19 and 5 ratio versus rookies. So, and you could see it in Kyler last week. I mean, Kyler and Cliff, that offense was not doing anything at all. Then that's our third line. So we got the under on the 42, under on 47, and then I would take Patriots to cover all the way up to negative three or minus three, sorry, versus uh, the Chargers. Then we got two more. Over under here, Bills 49ers game, 48 points. I'm taking the over on this one. Taking the over on this one. California weather, Bills offense, 49ers versus bad Bills defense. I like 50 plus here. Easy explanation for me. The 49ers, you know, they're good enough to expose bad defenses on offense because of how good Kyle Shanahan is as a play caller. And they got some pieces back, including Raheem Mostert. So that's really going to help. So I think the 49ers are going to be able to put up, you know, 20-ish points, 21, 24 points. And the Bills are probably going to be up in the 30s because, or or near the 30s, you know. And the over-under is 48. I mean, if the teams are, you know, if the score is 26, 24, then it hit the over by two. So I definitely like this line. I'm taking the over here. And yeah, good weather. Bills offense has been great, explosive. Josh Allen is healthy. He, you know, seems fine, even though there was a minor injury scare last week. He's got Cole Beasley. He's got Stephon Diggs. And, yeah, so I like this game. Then we got the fifth line, Chiefs versus Broncos. This is a division game, but the Broncos' offense can't keep up, so I'm taking the Chiefs to cover minus 14. All right, the Chiefs are favored by 14. I'm taking them to cover that because... I do think that the Chiefs are putting up 28 points minimum. 20, I wouldn't say 28 points minimum. I would say 21, 21 to 24 minimum. But obviously their ceiling is through the roof. And they played that Bucks game pretty close if you look at the score. But it was not close. I mean, as a Bucks fan, watching that game every single snap, they, were, they, they let us get back in that game because they were up 20-something to zero. And they just let the Bucks get into the game. They, if they kept the foot on the gas, they would have destroyed us. It would have been more embarrassing than than the Saints game. Maybe not just because the Saints are a division opponent, but in terms of just taking that out of it, it would have been more embarrassing than the Saints game. So, yeah, the Chiefs can put up crazy points, and I think they're going to cover negative 14. And the last time they were favored by this much versus team, uh, it was the Jets. They were favored by, like, 21, and they covered. So if you're thinking, whoa, 14, that's huge. That's a huge line. It is, and it's hard to look at that line and say, ah, oh, I like them to cover, but they did it before versus the Jets, and that was like a college line. 21 points, that's insane. I, I thought that line was crazy, and um, yeah, 
a buddy of mine took the over and it paid off for him. So I was like, wow, good for you, man. That's it. That's the five favorite betting lines. Remember, we got the under on 42 for Bengals Dolphins, under on 47 for Giants Seahawks, taking the Patriots to cover to up up to minus three versus the Chargers, taking the over on 48 Bills versus Niners, and taking the Chiefs to cover minus 14 versus the Broncos. Now let's talk about some defensive streamers, some situations to monitor, and then we're out of here. Defensive streamers, Seattle versus the Giants. And I, sorry, let me correct myself. I said 23 sacks earlier. It's 22 sacks. 22 sacks in the last five games. That's 4.3-ish per game. Their next three matchups for Seattle. So this week they're playing the Giants. And this is why they're also a great waiver pickup. All right, they're playing the Giants this week. Next week they're playing the Jets. And the week after that, they're playing the Washington football team. That is three juicy matchups for a defense that is hitting their stride. Now, I will say, I will say, um, the biggest reason, in my opinion, is Jamal Adams and Carlos Dunlap, who they traded for from Cincinnati, which is turning out to be a pretty good trade for Seattle. So with those two people healthy on the field in the last five games, that has been the result. The four sacks per game, Dunlap has had a sack in every single game that he's played. Um, except for maybe the Eagles game because he did get hurt. And that's what the caveat here is, is that, look, there's still going to be a, a, a good play, I think, a good streamer for defenses because, I mean, all the elite defenses are owned, right? Miami's owned. The Colts are owned. 49ers are owned. Like, all these Pittsburgh owned. All these good defenses are owned. But Seattle might not be. So that's why they're a streamer here in this segment. But Carlos Dunlap is scheduled for an MIR, MRI and... He reported his injury as like just his foot is sore. It's just sore footness. Sore, sore footness. Did you just hear what I said? Foot soreness. Um, and sorry, guys. It's late. It's like 2 in the morning when I'm recording. All right. Give me a break. But uh, yeah. So I I think he's going to be fine. And if he is fine, I like the Seattle defense a lot moving forward. Even if he misses a week, I mean, they'll be fine versus Colt McCoy and the Giants. And then if he gets back for the Jets, Washington, Seattle's going to be a great, great playoff defense. And in a pinch, if you need, you know, another defensive streamer, if Seattle's not there and you're struggling, in a pinch, you could play the Falcons versus Taysom Hill, not versus the Saints, basically versus Taysom Hill because he doesn't pass the ball much. He's not good at passing the ball. And all that scheming, like, nonsense, it's going to get worse and worse and worse as people get more and more film on it. The Falcons are coming off a super hot defensive performance. They're going to be coming into this game pumped, especially because it's a division game and because Taysom Hill, not even a real quarterback, just beat them two weeks ago. And they're going to be pissed off. So I think that they'll have a decent day versus Taysom Hill. And then lastly, the Raiders versus the Jets. Doesn't need much explaining. It's the Jets. They might grab a couple turnovers. I don't really like the Raiders defense. But the one thing that I think is going in the right direction for the Raiders defense, other than the fact that they're playing the Jets, is that they just got absolutely embarrassed. It was really the offense that got embarrassed by the Falcons. But, I mean, if you're a defense and you just lost to the Falcons, the Falcons, and you're supposed to be, like, one of the best teams in the AFC, and you can run with the Chiefs, and then you lose to the Falcons... That's got to get to you as well. And I'm a huge believer in motivation when it comes to sports. I played sports, and when I was motivated, it was pretty hard to stop me. And if you've played sports, when you were motivated compared to when you were not motivated, you're probably a lot harder to stop, right? So I really believe motivation is a big factor in sports. I know people say, I'm always going 100%. That is a lie. That is 
always a lie. There's like maybe two people that are always going 100%. That's Michael Jordan and I don't know, maybe Russell Westbrook because that man is a monster, by the way. But um, And those are basketball players. I can't even think of a football player. I mean, it's hard to see say like if a quarterback's going 100% because like, I don't know, you kind of can see if someone's going 100% by like their physical, you know, like movement and like exertion of force and stuff like that. So it's kind of hard to tell with a quarterback. I mean, except for like trying to break tackles and stay upright and stuff. But you know what I'm saying. And I think the Raiders are going to be full full force coming at the Jets this week. So that's my third defensive streamer. And then we got a couple situations to monitor. One of them being, is Jonathan Taylor going to get the workload again? I really hope so. And I actually find myself in quite the predicament. I'll give you guys a little insight on your host's uh, lineup dilemma here. So you guys know I have 11 leagues, and you guys know uh, one league where I have the most points or whatever, right? I have the most points. I'm seventh seed. I have to win this week if I want a chance to get in. Six and six. And um, even if I win, I, I still might not get in because... Like, there's not, like, two people that are in that are playing each other where they can, like, where one's going to get knocked out. So it's possible that I can win, be 7-6, and six, have the most points, and still not get in. But hopefully, if I win, one of the guys in front of me loses. And the decision I have to make is Jonathan Taylor, reverse Houston. You guys know he's a start of the week for me. We talked about him earlier on the pod. Jonathan Taylor or Antonio Gibson. But here's the thing, man. Here's the thing. Antonio Gibson is playing the Pittsburgh defense that's rough we have not seen Antonio Gibson get a lot of receptions yet in a negative game script so that is my second thing to watch so thing one to watch Jonathan Taylor is he going to get the bulk of touches again like he did in the last game he was healthy and two is Antonio Gibson going to out target JD McKissick in a negative game script versus Pittsburgh and that's my lineup dilemma. I do not have I have not made a decision yet. I'm usually pretty quick when it comes to lineup decisions for my own lineups. I I don't, you know, I'm not somebody that just ponders and ponders and ponders and just like stresses myself out. I usually, you know, go through my reasoning, go through my process, make my decision and then I'm done with it. This is a tough one. This is a super tough one. So uh you know, obviously I can't let you guys know what my decision is. I'll probably be talking about it on Twitter, trying to get other people's thoughts, just like throw out a poll or something. Because I am like 50-50 between these two guys. But those are two things to monitor. And then we got the Bengals wide receivers and the offense in general. Please target Tyler Boyd. Please, 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 please target Tyler Boyd. But yeah, let's see how they are in game two with Brandon Allen. And then which run first team is better? This is just a nice game to watch. Titans versus Browns. Both teams have better records than I would have thought before the season started. Especially the Browns. And the Browns lean on the run. The Titans lean on the run. The Browns' defense ain't great. Titans' defense ain't great. going to be very interesting to see which one of these very similarly built teams comes out on top. I think the Titans do. I think the Titans win. But, uh, hey, the Browns have a shot because Kareem Hunt Nick Chubb versus that Titans' run defense. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's going to be close. So I really like this. Something to watch. Good game. Then we got the Houston Texans. Do any wide receivers step up in Will Fuller's absence in Houston? And if it's not a wide receiver, is there a chance Jordan Akins maybe steps up? He's been taking a good amount of slot snaps. They're saying they are expecting to give him more slot snaps with Will Fuller out. So we'll see. He's a 
pretty big guy, somebody that Deshaun Watson seems to like to target at times. So we'll see. We'll see if any wide receivers step up or if Aiken steps up. And then lastly, Colin Johnson, his role for the Jaguars. Especially, this is even more important, if Minshew starts. If Minshew starts, is Colin Johnson going to be on the field a good amount? And if so, how much is he targeted? Those are my situations to monitor. That's what I got for you guys. Hope you guys have a good week. I hope if uh, you had any like last-minute game time, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of the word, like tiebreakers or whatever in the Wednesday game in the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game. If you had any players that you needed to put up like 10 points to get the win or somebody to do really bad so that you could win, I hope it turned out well for you. I know it's super weird having a game on Wednesday and not having reassurance of what your record is and everything this deep into the week. But yeah, I hope it went uh, went well for you guys. Hope you guys have a great week this week. Hopefully, everyone listening... Everyone here on the Dive Squad is making it to the playoffs. And if so, be sure to remember to reach out to me whenever you need because I am here for you. You guys support me. I will continue to support you. Let's get it done. Let's get some championships for the Dive Squad. With that said, guys, I'm your host, Brandon Gabor. Peace. Peace.